the most important thing anyone can do is uh, is redefine what making it means to them. Because that's kind of that moment that I had where I was like, I'm I am failing if I'm not getting a hit song, right? If I had let that determine success for me, then I'd still be a failure because I haven't written a hit song. <laughs> I've written plenty of songs, you know, but um, I finally decided to go, wait a second, like what is success like what does that mean for me? And am I making a living? Am I able to make music my front hustle? Sure. And you know, just being open to what that could look like outside of what the old narratives in the traditional industry have told you. Welcome, everybody, to the next episode of Write Songs You Love podcast. I'm here with the one and only Christy Leah Kekioa Kalani Kamai Bradley, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise known for short as Chris Bradley, <laughs> amazing singer-songwriter, producer, teacher extraordinaire, runs and founded and CEO of a fantastic beast of a magical entity in this world in the music industry called Produce Like a Boss. <laughs> she is the boss. She's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many awesome things. I'm so excited today to have Chris on, on the show. And please, everyone, from your seats and your comment boxes, give her a warm welcome. It was the best intro. Thank you so much. I can't believe you got my full name. <laughs> Not going to lie, it took me some practice. I had to rehearse. <laughs> <laughs> it's an amazing name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and you wear it well. I know like, well, it's just been super cool just for those to, to listening to have a bit of a backdrop, I guess. What are we in right now? Uh, pretty much exactly two years ago is when when I came across you for the first time. And I only originally found out about you because I heard that you were going to be speaking at a conference, a conference called Sync Keepers. And, and I remember seeing your photo as they were like laying out who was coming to speak and what their background was. And and that you you had this just you know, you, you were showing up in the industry helping singer-songwriters learn how to produce themselves. And in, and in my mind, I was just like, hallelujah, this is amazing. <laughs> you know, I was, I was so excited because after a lot of years of, of running songwriting workshops and working with songwriters, some of the questions that eventually came up and started to start have come up often was from ones who had been working with me for a little while or a long while and were venturing out into wanting to record themselves or wanting to produce themselves or just wanting to take those next steps to put those compositions into something that they could deliver out into the world. And at that time, I, I had gone through the processes of recording myself and putting out music, but I never knew what I was doing. <laughs> I really <laughs> ever felt that I could ever like offer any kind of feedback or, or advice or any wisdom that potentially would be helpful because I didn't really know how to explain what I was doing. And so when I discovered you, I was like, amazing. I have like, I have someone fascinating and just so good at what they do to be able to send people to. And, and it was ever since has just been such a, such a treat to be in your sphere, to be engaging with you and learning from you. And yeah, shortly after that, I just remember touching base with you and just being like, thank you 
for your like bravery and doing what you do and like willing to step up and 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 do something like this and just do it in such an amazing way that uh that it just makes it gives people an opportunity to put their voice out into the world in a way that they want to and i think that's just such a beautiful thing to be able to have the skills and the understanding and knowledge to to do that and to be guided through that in such a fun way in the way that you you uh you help people learn those those skills so so thank you for for doing that and for for being in the world that way it's changed my whole life in the way that i do the same so thank you so much that means that means a lot it, it's it to be honest like produce like a boss was kind of a, a beautiful accident in that i i was just going to I think I was going to make a couple videos and share them with friends on YouTube or Vimeo that I was already teaching people how to produce, you know, and then somebody just said, you know, you should create a course and you should read this book. And it was like in 30 days, the plan completely changed. And, you know, and I built this course basically for me eight years ago, you know, like one of the things that, that I needed that felt super um, complicated to learn as a songwriter and then created this course. And it kind of, got its own wings and, and, and became its own thing faster than I, uh, that I anticipated. So it's been such a, a fun ride and it's so cool to see how it's helped a lot of songwriters. So thank you. Yeah. Well, you talk about the most complicated things, like what, what were the most complicated things for you? Honestly, everything, because it was all, it was the tech side of things, right. It, as well. It was just being able to to get into a computer and get the ideas that were in my head is like, oh, I like I like guitar, but you know, and, and I like drums and you know, but how do I put those things together? And then like, you know, what is it that's not making them sound good together? Oh, that's because I need to learn how to EQ and make, you know, space in the frequency, you know, and the different frequencies for them to play well together and little things like that that eventually came together after just years of trial and error and banging my head against a wall. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah, I can I can testify to that experience, and pretty much and literally, it was just such an interesting moment in time when I crossed paths with you because I was on the ledge of just tossing anything to do with producing over the cliff. I remember. <laughs> Forget it. I'm done. This is too frustrating. I've had it. I've tried a lot, and it just doesn't feel fun anymore. Um, and that can be just such a a difficult place, and like that's a a lot of what I talk about here and what I get a lot of questions about is just how how to write, you know, how to, how to write authentically. How do you just like let your creativity come out? How do you do these things? And it's it's really challenging to do that when your tools, you don't feel like you have confidence in your tools or maybe you don't feel like you get so hung up in the technical processes or even before you even get to be creative that yeah, <laughs> through a frustration wave before you even are allowed to let your creativity out. And then by that time, you just don't even want to be creative or expressive or do anything anymore other than shut it off. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I think that overwhelm comes from trying to do too much, right? Because we have so many options. The DAW is really this complex piece of software that we can do so many things with, right? So when when we have like these endless options, um, I think it creates a lot of decision fatigue and overwhelm. And I think the way that I learned to simplify it for myself was really understanding arrangement, right? Um, and as you know from from my programs and free trainings and stuff, it's like you know just being just studying 
songs that I liked, studying hit songs, studying songs that were getting the opportunities that I wanted to get, you know, oh, that song just got placed in a commercial. What did they do that, that made that work, you know, and, and actually reverse engineering things. But um, just to go back to arrangement, I, I found that one of the things that really simplified it for me was getting a roadmap together and knowing exactly where I was going before I started. And while that might sound a bit confining because it does put boundaries on you a bit, um, there's something about the boundary that gives you more freedom because now you have less options. And it's a bit counterintuitive, I think, but I found that it's worked for so many songwriters that I've introduced this, this theory to, this framework to, right? Which is basically to get get a blueprint together, like understand where you want to go so that you don't get in the car and start driving aimlessly, right? So if we know that we want to create an epic, you know, piano ballad, like we can kind of laundry list out like, okay, what's that? What are those instruments going to look like? You know, can I make a list of those so that like, I'm not just going through every single synth in existence, most of which don't apply to the type of song I'm creating, right? But it's like, if we got really clear on where it was that we're going rather than just jumping in, well, then we get then we get to, you know, do it step by step and it becomes a little bit more easier to navigate. Totally. It makes me think of um, like the Yodas of the world or like the Professor X from X-Men, like the kind of people who are just like, yeah, there's all of the things, there's all of the force, there's all of your like mutant abilities, but <laughs> let's like hone it in. Let's, let's rein it in here. And I'm with you totally like the whole... I did a, a we were, had a chat here a while ago. We were talking about like the limitations and it's a funny word. Like, I, I don't know. I've stopped using limitations as an actual word to to do this because I don't think that's the case. And let's, you've seen the same. It's like when you put some kind of a structure, it's focusing. It's yeah. actually the opposite. It's never limiting. It's just like channeling in a way. It's just like, okay, I don't have to worry about everything. Just what can you do with with these few ingredients? And that not only just increases speed, it increases like clarity and actually leads to a lot of surprises where it's like, wow, I didn't know that a couple of few tools could do so much. You right. Know, or like, well, and it's amazing once you, once you give yourself those, those self-imposed limitations, like with intention, right. And to get more strategic, all of a sudden you've mastered that one synth or you've mastered that one EQ or compressor. Guess what? Now you know how to use most of the rest of them because the <laughs> they're all doing the same thing with a slightly different interface to them right so mm -hmm. <clears throat> a lot of people are like oh do i need the latest compressor do i need this and i'm like are you are you confident with the ones that you're already using you know totally yeah well i'm curious too just so people can hear a bit of the context of of your your background because you've you've been a, a singer songwriter you've played all sorts of gigs you've toured all over the world. Like you've had a, a whole bunch of different experiences overseas. So just curious if you give a, a bit of a snapshot about like how how early stages of songwriting and performing showed up in your life and, and how that evolved. I swear I'm like, <clears throat> I'm like my cats. I have like nine lives. So it's, it's always interesting to try and get a, a snapshot, but I'll do my best to put it, to condense free, it down. Feel free to do <laughs> long snapshot, it's okay. Uh-oh, okay. <laughs> So, um, you know, I've been musical ever since I was super young. I grew up with a piano in the house and my great grandmother helped to raise me because my mom had me when she was 16 years old and went to start working full time right away, essentially. So I grew up 
in the house with a piano, listening to jazz standards and big band and swing. And that's the first stuff I learned how to play. I learned how to play In the Mood by Glenn Miller. But by the time I was five years old, by ear, by watching and listening to my great grandmother play it. So, so music has been in my life since as young as I can remember. <clears throat> and then I had the influence of like my mom and, and, and her friends, teenagers in the eighties. Okay. So I had, you know, everything from Led Zeppelin to Guns N' Roses to Heart to Motley Crue. So I had this nice smorgasbord of, of music that I was exposed to. And then of course, you know, I was a nineties kid. So I also had like a lot of like nineties hip hop and pop and just all the great stuff that came out of the nineties as well. Um, something that kind of stuck with me since growing up in my grandmother's house though was, and I remember her, I still remember her. I was so young. I, I was learning how to play the piano and I was learning how to play all these songs. And one day I was sitting there tinkering around and kind of playing the notes that didn't mean anything that I was making up. And she goes, what are you doing? What are you playing? And I said, well, I'm just playing. I'm just writing. I don't know. I, like, I, like, I, I'd never been exposed to the fact that there were songwriters. It was always just like these, like learn these pieces. And she stopped me in my tracks and she goes, no, no, no. And I don't think she meant to be, I don't think she meant it to be negative or anything. She just didn't know any better either. And she said, we don't reinvent the wheel. She's like, just learn what the greats have done. And so that's how I moved forward, you know, and I end up spending a good majority of my musician life, like learning other songs. I ended up being in cover bands. I ended up being in tribute bands. I was a lead singer for an all girl tribute, tribute band called Les Zeppelin. Um, I've been in a couple different heart cover bands. I've been in blues cover bands. I've done the, uh, the, the hotel circuit, the five-star hotel circuit all throughout Europe or not Europe. I wish Europe, uh, Asia. <laughs> and, um, and that kind of followed me into my twenties. Cause I just always had this kind of idea that I couldn't write songs. Right. And then as I got into my mid twenties, I realized that, I mean, especially after the Led Zeppelin tour, um, I got invited to relocate to New York and continue doing this tour. And this wasn't just a small tribute band. Like they had a huge following. Like we toured on a big bus. We had a writer. Like it was like the most rock star I've ever felt. Huh. And so when I got the offer to move to New York and keep doing this, I kind of realized in that moment that like I was going to commit to being a cover band artist if I actually moved and did this. And that's kind of when I went, no, no, I, I don't think that's what I want to do. Like, I know that I'm not a great songwriter because I don't really have experience with it, but this is what I really want to do. And, um, and so at that point, you know how they say like the books just kind of start falling off the shelves. Like when you're ready, the teacher will appear. Mm -hmm. Well, like I said, I, I never really grew up understanding like how to write songs or where it came from. So whenever I tried, it just kind of came out as whiny. There was no craft to it. it, it they weren't very good, right? I wasn't natural at it. But then these books started falling off the shelves, like writing better lyrics by Pat Patterson uh, or how to write better lyrics. Um, the Artist Way by Julia Cameron mm -hmm. and a couple other ones, uh, you know, uh, Stephen King on writing. Anyways, these books started falling off the shelf and, and I, it kind of hit me uh, like a ton of bricks that just because I wasn't good at this and I wasn't born with this natural talent to be a great writer didn't mean that it wasn't something I couldn't learn. And so I just started diving into the craft. And I would say that's kind of when my, like my journey just in self-improvement just began in general, not just with writing, but then I was like, okay, I'm a songwriter. I'm going to learn how to produce. And, you know, basically any skill that I don't have, I can put in the work to learn how to do it. And I also became an avid reader at that point. So 
fast forward a couple of years from there, I'm writing songs, I'm writing songs with intention. Okay. What do I want? Okay. I want to get my songs into film and TV. I want to pitch my songs to other artists. I also got clarity on the fact that I didn't really want to perform these songs as much as I wanted to pitch them to other people. Um, and then after a couple of years of, you know, getting them to a point where my mentors and now my you know people around me were like, these are really good. I was like, okay, I'm going to start paying to have these demos so I can pitch them. And each demo was about $500 right. minimum. And so it didn't take long before I was like, well, I don't make enough money to, to pay uh, to have somebody produce my songs, you know, for every song that I write. Um, so I learned how to produce kind of out of necessity. That's what I was, I was led to learning how to produce so that I wouldn't have to pay for my songs to get produced anymore. And then, um, you know, I was pretty awful at it because I just really struggled with, you know, I, I didn't grow up with a computer or anything. So I wasn't super tech savvy. Um, so a lot of trial and error, but through a couple more years of just white knuckling it, I, I became pretty decent at recording demos. And then other people, I had moved to Nashville at this point, other people started hiring me to do session work for them. Hey, can you sing on my demo? Can you do the demo for my song? And so what started as saving money uh, turned into making money with a little side business, creating demos for other people. Well, then that graduated as people started going, hey, I took that demo and I'm going to release it as an artist. Or, hey, I took that demo and we just pitched it and it got placed into this, this TV show. So now I'm going, oh, okay. So these aren't really demos anymore. These are just productions and recordings. And, and I kind of, once again, accidentally stumbled into this kind of side business of being a production company that provided these services for various you know, people from you know, film and TV shows to artists to local publishers that were hiring me to do demos for their songwriters. And um, I told you I could ramble on and on forever about this. <laughs> You're a very concise rambler, so much so that <laughs> it's it's not even rambling. Okay. <laughs> <Very> good. <specific. laughs> good, good. Okay. So, um, so, so then it became, it's interesting because I, you know, I moved to, to Nashville with this idea that, you know, the, my definition of making it would be if I got a hit song or if I got multiple song cuts by multiple artists, or, you know, if I was playing in all the, you know, most popular songwriters rounds, like the bluebird and the listening room, like I started defining success around what I moved there for and what the shiny ball was and what, you know, what everybody else was calling success, which was getting like a hit song. And this demo business felt very much like a side hustle to me. Like it was like, oh, that's just what I'm doing while I'm chasing the dream. And then I started making friends and writing with hit songwriters. And, you know, I remember a couple very different distinct situations where I'm sitting here with the person who has the dream that I want, like they have the cuts that I want. And they're asking me, how do you do what you do? Because I don't make enough money from my pub deal or the song cut that I got to even sustain. Like I still have to play four hour bar gigs or I still have to bartend or, you know, one of them was doing, they were putting boots on cars. Like, you know, when you park and you get a parking ticket and they put a boot on your car, like that was his side job is, is booting cars, you know? And I'm like, wait a second, like you're the writer I want to be, but you have to do these types of jobs to support your writing career. So I realized I was like, and then people were coming to me going, how do you do that? That I was actually, I, that I needed to redefine what making it even meant. I was making not only my full-time living with music and recording from home, I had already given up doing four-hour bar gigs because I, I saw that that wasn't serving me or my voice anymore, but I was making a really good living, you know, just singing it. I didn't have to put on real pants or makeup. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's not the same um, effort as getting in there and doing like, you know, a four-hour bar gig is brutal. You sing for four hours straight. I was, I was singing in smoky bars. I was loading up my own PA, unloading it. I had like thrown out my back a couple of times doing that. And all of a sudden 
I could just do this effortlessly from home and make more money per hour. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that's kind of what, what happened with Boom Fox Productions. Yeah. So anyways, I, um, I was also producing artists in my home studio at the time and they would come over and I, same thing, like they were amazing artists. They were so talented and they'd come and they track vocals, you know, on a song that I was producing for them. And then they'd go back to their day jobs. And I'm like, wait, why don't you learn how to record so that you can make money as a session singer? And they're like, oh, and they had the same kind of like brain turns off. Like, no, there's no way I could do that. I'm just a songwriter. And I'm like, no, no, no. I had the same thing. And then I had to kind of show them the journey. Like, look, you're not going to be like a like overnight producer that can charge thousands of dollars for a track. And that, you know, that is more of a, of a process to learn, but if you could simply learn how to record your vocals, you could be making 200 bucks here, 300 bucks here and doing, um, session work, you know? So I was teaching artists how to produce from my home studio in Nashville. And that kind of brings us back to the, what I was saying earlier, you know, I was going to make some YouTube videos to just share with people so that I didn't have to just show them in real time. And then a publisher friend of mine said, you know, you should do a course and I'll help you promote it. And you should read this book called Launch by Jeff Walker. And then everything changed. Everything changed. I was like, oh my gosh, like I can, I could build a course and, you know, I could, I could help more people. And, and, um, one thing led to another and it turned out, you know, I thought that like a handful of people would buy my first course from voice memo to demo. I thought it would be a few people that were like friends in Nashville and maybe like a few of the writers that this publisher who suggested it knew. And next thing I know, it's, it's just taken off, you know, and hundreds of people are signing up and telling me that it's changed their lives. And now they're able to produce their own music and they're controlling their own masters and creating their own opportunities and, you know, being able to get work for hire. And it's just been a really, really beautiful thing. Um, Voice My Motor Demo was the first product that I created with the intention of really teaching people how to get their ideas out of their head, right? And how to produce in general. And then, of course, with that, with very basic knowledge, you can go out and get a job like doing like vocal session work, for example. Um, But then recently, as you know, because you're a coach in the program, I created Home Studio Boss, which is to take that skill and then turn it into a business from your home studio and actually get recurring repeat clients. So that's been my latest like passion project has really been Home Studio Boss and then the VIP program, which we have coaching and and more high touch mentorship on to, um, to help people take those skills and then turn it into a profession. Because once you look, I mean, you know, it's interesting, like as a, as an artist, everything you're doing is very creative as a songwriter. It's very creative. You introduce the, the tech of learning how to produce. It's still very creative and it's still all the tools that you need to like, you know, get the ideas that you have out of your head. But when it comes to turning this into a business, dealing with clients, now we've just gone into a whole new world of like a whole new skill right? Outside of being a good artist or a good songwriter or a good singer. And that's where Home Studio Boss, I knew that that was needed and that from Voice Mama to Demo wasn't going to be enough, like that we needed to go, okay, how do we systemize things? How do we automate things? How do we outsource things that aren't in our zone of genius? Because, you know, as a producer, you don't have to be, um, you know, really great at everything. You could be outsourcing things like tuning and editing, mixing and things like guitars, you know, but um, all of those were entirely different skills, which led me to create Home Studio Boss. And that's where we're at today, I think. I think that's a good place for me to shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's great. Thank you for sharing all that. And I know that'll be super inspiring for so many to hear that pathway. And there's there's some key moments there that I'm going to come back to in a sec. But but you said something really, really neat here, and this is something I've been thinking a lot more about, which is 
collaboration. And the questions come up a lot about co-write, mostly in co-writing, you know, in the community that I work with is songwriters wanting to just connect with other songwriters and write in other styles or just find find ways of operating that they can, you know, play to their strengths or just a lot of it, I think, is just a social community part of it, too. Of just like, hey, yeah. like, I'd love to connect. But but the fascinating thing about all of this, you know, I think and the way that your courses have evolved and they've kind of grown from these stages are are excellent. And it's, it's such an awesome journey. Like I've, I've been able to be a part of it over the last two years. And like the voice memo to demo was a big catalyst for me. And like, really, I, I know the moment in the course where I was like, oh, my God, how have I not been doing this for like the last 10 years? <laughs> I literally probably would have saved an entire year of editing <laughs> the way that I was doing it before. And, you know, like, it's it's just so awesome just to see through that program, like, just like you're saying, those basics, but they're not, say basics, but they're actually, like, essentials that are huge, like, really make massive differences. So I, I, I got a lot out of, when you're talking about compression, it was that part of that uh, program where it was, you were just showing, like, how how simple it can be to use this thing and, like, how powerful it can be. And I just, I kind of laughed, actually, like really yeah. like, kind of almost laugh cried because it, <laughs> it was one of those moments where like, oh, my. <laughs> but yes, thank you. Um, the whole idea of Voice Memo to Demo when I created it was like, how do I, because I remember being like on the long lost search for like, what the, like who's going to be my, like the mentor that's going to make me get this because trying to learn it on my own, I didn't get it. It didn't click. It was overwhelming. And then it was like, when I made this course, I, I went, what do I wish? How do I wish it was taught to me? Like, you ever had that moment where you get an aha and you're like, well, why didn't you just say it like that? <laughs> when I got, when I finally got my aha, I was like, oh my gosh. Like I, and that's, I think why sometimes some of the best teaching comes out of when you had like major struggles with something, like just the way you're able to simplify it so that nobody has to go through what you went through. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm so glad to hear that, that you felt that relief because that's exactly what I was aiming to give because that's what I so badly wanted, you know? Well, and it's fascinating too, is because it's, it's not, I don't know, progress isn't a, a product of everything being solved at once. You yeah. know, it's just like, it's just solving the next step or like one, making one thing easier. Yeah. It's just all it takes to be to fuel like a fire of excitement to be like, oh, wonder <laughs> then what can happen. And I think that's that's what you do always do a really great job of, of you just kind of like help people through like that next step, that next step, that next step. And it's like that excitement momentum keeps building. And I think when you just end up finding yourself pretty far down the path and you're like, well, hot damn, look where I am now. <laughs> and, and it's pretty exciting. And like, just to see how, how that, from from going through the programs that really focuses on like yes you can do this like you can do these things you can understand these parts and put this all together but then what you you know i think with the beauty of like something like, like home studio boss of how that's just gone like such another level like a big big evolution there is is looking at the bigger picture and being like you don't have to do all the things you know it's like and that's kind of the essence of the collaborating that i think is Sometimes we don't we don't think of it that way. We want to always want to wear this kind of badge of honor, like I did everything, and like 
yeah. this time has been labeled as like it's the do-it-yourself era, you know, and there there is a large part of that that is true in terms of all of these things that you you build yourself up to get to. But like you're saying, I think this is a really beautiful thing about home studio bosses, the emphasis on like, okay, well, like know, know where your strengths are and where you're not. Why don't you bring people who are also strong into that? And that's that's like collaborating. If you break down the word, like you have a co-lab, it's like co-labor, you know, it's like sharing, yeah. sharing the work and and putting that into a place where everybody is really bringing their best and succeeding and and as an essence ends up splitting up all of the all of the time that needs to go into it and just the efficiency goes up the quality goes up the impact goes up all of the things go up yeah. and and I think it's just such a beautiful concept that is sometimes hard to get to and accept after you've been doing trying to do stuff on your own for so long you know and I, oh, yeah. I I'd love to actually just hear your kind of thoughts on on like how beliefs come up because we the labels that we then put on ourselves and feel like we kind of limit ourselves to like when you're, sure. if you're talking with people about you know oh well, I can't I can't do that I'm just a singer you know or I can't do that I I I'm I just write songs I I could never do that part of the process and I'm I'm actually kind of curious too because like when you explained your your scenario of of how you grew up and learning songs and then you had this kind of moment where you started kind of like tinkling on the piano and making you know making stuff up and then that got kind of guided a different way it's like no we don't do that you know so for many many years you that's just something that you you went through it but i'm, I'm major i i left this part out michael it was a major complex that yeah, i developed I and anxiety <laughs> yeah. as well around writing or even sharing my writing to the point where like if I was in a listening type session, which I was, cause I, I paid for mentorship for many years, I would literally have like an anxiety attack when my song was being plays, uh, played um, out of fear for the rejection that I would receive, which I later learned how to turn that into not looking at re as rejection, but as you know, positive feedback. But I was, I had a complex around it for sure. Yeah. Well, especially because it came in at such an early age, you know, like that's, that's a tough, tough thing to move through. And I, I found it fascinating. This is one thing I wanted to ask you going back to part of your story is when you had done all this touring and you had been involved in so many different capacities, you know, doing the thing like singing other people's songs and expressing that through. And But then, like you said, there was this opportunity that came up to do that, to go to like the next level of that in New York. Yeah. But you're like, I don't know. I actually want to do like writing of my own or whatnot and i'm kind of curious of like why did that happen like what what was it what happened there to, to cause that change um it was more of a it's hard to to describe because it was more of this like inner knowing like it was like an it was an inner voice that was like this isn't you're not going to be happy doing this and you got like, it's okay that you're not naturally a good writer. Like you've got something to say. You just, you haven't explored it yet. And at, you know, in my mid twenties, I had just been running so far with like all these bands and all these bar gigs and like, they were making me this immediate money. And so it was really easy to go, well, I'll do that when I, I'll do that when I, I had a massive case of the when I's and procrastination around just starting to write. And like I said, I hadn't made the connection that it was something I could work at 
that I could read on, that I could get feedback on. For me, it was just like, you suck at this. And the only way to get better is to just put it out there in front of people and then be ridiculed. And like, those are my two options. But it was like, I, you know, when I got faced with this opportunity to uproot my life to New York, to be in a cover band and like, they're still touring and doing amazing things. Like I, I, nothing bad to say about the band. Like, it's so great that they've built what they built. It certainly wasn't built around the lead singer. I'll tell you that much because they've been able to filter out players and still have this amazing success. So sure. I kind of knew that if I did that, that I was accepting that as my fate for lack of a better way to express that. Like the, the, that's what I was going to do. I knew that the, the pay was so good. I always wanted to live in New York that it was almost like the opposite of a dream come true because I was like, oh my God, this is like, if I go, I get to live in New York and make this money. Like the case of the when eyes is just going to get bigger because I will have no incentive to actually work on my craft because I'll be getting paid. And my favorite band is Led Zeppelin. Look at my tattoo. <laughs> right. So it was like, I just knew that once I made it like committed to it at that level, that I wasn't going to turn around and actually work on becoming an original artist. And there was always, there's no, and this isn't to like, talk badly on people that play covers or whatnot. It just, I knew that it wasn't the the last stop for me. That makes sense. Well, yeah, it's like a moment at the crossroads. <laughs> right. Situation of like, but I, I just think that's so fascinating, but there's a certain magnitude, I think, you know, of like of, of, a, of growth in a path where you can go along. And then once it hits like a bigger, a bigger realm where it's like, okay, you know, what, those moments I think are just really special to hear about. And I think that's so, it's so fascinating to me, particularly because of like, you know, the, the background belief that, that you had that you're like, nah, this, this just needs to be explored. I don't know what it's really going to be, but it just. Well, I, I, I want to give you a little bit more because this actually makes it, uh, it's, it's making me smile now that I think about it. So I came back from that tour and I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. Right. I'm not going to do the Led Zeppelin cover thing because that will be committing to being a cover artist. And then I came home and it was like this, like rude awakening. Cause I was coming off of this tour where we had this like awesome bus and we had this writer. And then I came home and I was like looking for a bartending gig again. Right. So trying to figure it out. And then here's something that I've noticed about about my life is that I'm always like divinely guided by something bigger than me. And I don't always understand it. But when I say like, here's the result I want, the, the path kind of unfolds. Right. So I remember praying on it or meditating on it, whatever I was doing at the time to connect with source. And I was saying, I want to be a better songwriter. How do I become a better songwriter? You would think it would be as easy as Googling and just finding a damn book, but I, I just wasn't education minded. I've been on my own since I was 15 years old, something I kind of left out in my story, but um, it just didn't occur to me that it was something that like it, I could learn, right? So I'm like, I want to be a better songwriter. And then all of a sudden I get this opportunity. Like I come across an opportunity in my email to audition for this overseas band. This was the one in Asia to do the five-star hotel circuit. Mm -hmm. Now granted, they're like the rules where you have to wear heels. You have to sing top 40 songs. You're going to be doing dancing, like actually choreographed dancing and background vocals. Yeah. And I looked at this and the first thing I thought was, hell no, that's not me. Like I'm the rock chick. Right. And then it just kind of kept coming up and I didn't really know why it was so not me. And I was like, Ugh. and I couldn't find a job or I found a bar job and I hated it. So one of those, you know, and I was like, maybe I do need to try this out. 
So I send an audition video to this, knowing damn well that I don't want to sing Earth, Wind, and Fire, nor dance, nor wear heels. I've never worn heels in my life. This is not going to be pretty. So I send in a video. They say, send in a video of you performing, following these guidelines, and then we'll let you know if, if you qualify. So I sent them a picture of me playing guitar and singing a rock song, thinking that'll be my way of doing it because I'm honoring the fact that it keeps coming into my space, but also my way of going like, F you, like there's no way I want this gig. Guess what they did? They're like, you'd be, you. the, you'd be the perfect addition to our group and we'll make you the rock chick, right? You know what that meant, Michael? It meant that once throughout the night, I'd bring out my guitar and we'd play zombie as a band, as a top 40 band. But the rest of the songs were all like Kiara and Mariah Carey, or sorry, not Kiara, Sierra, Mariah Carey. And like everything was pop, 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 top 40. Christina Aguilera, worst and best year of my life. So I, 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 they tell me that I've got the gig and I look at the pay and I look at what I have here and I'm like at home, you know, in the States, like having to bartend again. So I'm like, you know what, I'm going to do this one more year of cover band stuff and it's out of my comfort zone. I hate it. I don't like this. So I'm not going to stick with it. Like if I had done the Zeppelin thing, I knew that I would never get out because I'd love it too much. Right. right. I knew that this was going to be such a challenge for me. Mm -hmm that I did it. And I went and I lived in Malaysia and I went and I lived in Bangkok for half the year and half a year and did it for an entire year. Talk about being so far out of your comfort zone, dancing in heels every night, learning all these top 40 cover songs and choreographed dances and being, having to do background vocals and then lead vocals. And anyways, I realized I, I hated it the whole time. But when I came back, when I went to start working on my craft as a songwriter, it was that click moment that we were talking about where as I was digging into the craft, I realized, oh, these are the songs I've been singing for the last year. Sorry, Led Zeppelin wasn't going to get me to that aha, but this top 40 cover band did. Mm. So it's just kind of funny how that all works out, how I came back going, I'm not going to do the cover thing and I want to be a better songwriter. And then this opportunity got thrown at me and I didn't really know it, but it was like going to songwriter boot camp for a year. All I did was perform top 40 songs. And wow. I kind of came back, you know, I, like I said, I didn't realize it until I started digging into the craft, but then there, there was this huge click of aha of like, oh, this is how you write commercial music mm -hmm. that people want to pay for, <laughs> you know? Well, what a cool, it's neat hearing that, you know, and just knowing, just having seen the versatility of like how, what the range of, of the kinds of songs that you can write and produce and, and just slay in so many different genres, you know, it just had it to me. It's like, you've, you've really had your residency in a way in all of these genres in a way where you literally had to show up on stage in character to fully literally embody these, these songs. So like to look at all of the tools and informed, you know, wisdom that that gives you into your process and creating now and and through those phases afterwards is is amazing thank you <clears throat> and it's funny because no matter what i do if i do a rock song or if i do a country song or if i do a pop song like and i've done all of that right it, it, in professional situations writing with publishers writing with artists you know everyone always goes you know you have this thing it's kind of like this jazzy sassy and i'm like yeah that i that's what i started with you know, I grew up singing like big band standards and like, you know, like 
I remember singing Santa baby when I was like 12 with my great grandmother's senior citizens choir. It's like, yeah, sorry. That's what's in my blood. You know, like that jazzy thing's kind of always going to come out, but it's also really given me like this competitive kind of cool edge to everything I've done to where I never really sound sounded like, um, anybody else in my field, right? Like even when I was, uh, you know, I did a, a record as a country artist, if you will, Americana uh, called Worth a Shot. And when I did a small radio tour, they, you know, a lot of the radio hosts were saying, oh my God, it's like Amy Winehouse meets Casey Musgraves. Huh? And I'm like, oh, that's such a cool compliment. And that totally made sense because I was listening to a lot of Casey and I grew up singing jazz, you know, of course that's how it would come out. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's it's neat too. Sometimes how you take that in by being told by other people that this is the sound. You're like, oh yeah, I guess I could see that, you know, yeah. or like, and that's cool. It's neat to have these reflections. And I said, there's a certain kind of moment where you can feel honored by that. You know, you can feel like, yeah. wow, that's a really big compliment because these are amazing, you know, songwriters and these are people that have had influence on your creative life and like, cool. Yeah. But what I held on. I held on to that radio quote for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that was like at the, the head of like I would put that like you know on on things like you know in my social media and you know things that were highlighting. I'm like, oh, so and so from Froggy 103.5 says this. Amazing. Well, exactly. You know, and I think that's another thing. All of this is just what is a major fuel of what goes into making you such an amazing convener you know, a leader, a teacher, because you've got s such a big range of experience here. And you're like having that skill set of just channeling that experience into then looking at, okay, you know, like, here's a bit of me. I love that you got that opportunity. You're like, I'm going to be as me as possible in this interview and hope to not get it. Yeah. And they're like, we love who you are. Uh, <laughs> join the team. But, uh, you know, like just another message of, of just laying out on the line is really the most impactful thing often you know like of who you are but like having that come forward into then seeing how best to deliver that to others on behalf of others you know and i think that's interesting in the transition from from being an artist or the addition you know from in that role to then looking at what is it what does it mean to be a producer you know like what does it mean to help others achieve their vision you know and i think that's something pretty magical about a producers you are bringing your influence you are bringing your experience and your flavors and all this kind of stuff but ultimately it's like a, a client or someone who you're working with whether it's an artist or a advertising company or a, any number of different ways that this can go which is many different ways nowadays mm -hmm. you you get to like that experience I think is invaluable in terms of the empathy card of that, of like, I can relate to this or I can put myself in this position because I know I've done this before. I've done this in so many different ways, but now it's like, here's a new situation. I get to help somebody make their vision come true, whatever that's going to be. And that's I'm curious to hear, like if there's any, any experiences, particularly that shine for you as like really meaningful moments, having that ability to bring that out for other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I got to say, like, just to speak to that really quick, there is something really special about like the mindset shift that comes from listen to my music or I need these opportunities to how can I serve? Like mm -hmm. whether it's how can I serve the song or how can I serve the client? How can I serve the artist? 
And, and that was really pivotal for me, uh, for me was learning how to be service oriented and to work off empathy, like you said. Um, something that really sticks out, and it, I mean, I've done hundreds, probably thousands at this point, or over a thousand uh, jobs for other people, but something that really sticks out was the first artist EP that I ever produced. She had a $50,000 investment deal in Nashville that fell through. Um, and so for the longest time, she was gearing up to get ready to go into the studio to make this Nashville record. Right. And she was like me and that she was super eclectic, really into pop, even more into pop and in the hip hop, but like was still doing the country thing. Right. And, uh, so she was going to go and do this big, you know, country record in a, in a Nashville studio with this big budget. And then it got pulled at like the last minute and she was devastated and her and I were friends and we were writing together and doing a bunch of other stuff together. And I was still kind of just doing demos at this point. I wasn't calling them productions. <laughs> and um, she came to me and she said, Hey, I, I don't have the $50,000 budget anymore, but I think, I think she came to me like I've got three grand or five or whatever it was. It was, it was a small budget. And she goes, and I would like for you to produce my record. Like, how do you feel about that? And she actually sent it in a text and I was sitting with my good friend at the time and I looked at it and I looked at my friend and that was a big deal to me. Like I had done demos for people. I had done session work. I'd never done somebody's record, you know? And I looked at my friend and I go, oh, hell no. And like, just the fact that she was offering to pay me to do her record, it wasn't even about the money. It was about me feeling very insecure about my experience. Right. So I said, I'm just going to tell her no and like refer her to somebody else. And my friend grabbed my phone. She goes, absolutely not. She's like, you got this. There's a reason she asked you. And she just went, yes, exclamation mark or something, you know, something really quick. And I was like, oh, you know? So she goes, oh, great. I'm so excited. I can't wait to jump in. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm doing an artist. Pro I'm doing an EP. Okay. So I was like, well, let's just do it. So I just dived. I just, I just dove in and I, <clears throat> and she was telling me, yeah, we were going to go for this vibe of like, you know, Miranda Lambert meets, you know, Casey Musgraves or whatever. <clears throat> it was very, very Nashville. But as I was listening to the songs, I'm like, these are straight up pop. They got a little bit of like a 90s, 2000s pop influence and just like a very slight hair of rock or country, but it's more Americana than it's anything else. Anyways, um, so I was like, you know, I, I do this thing with my clients. I still do this to this day. I send kind of a, I call it the vibe tape, whether I'm doing a vocal for someone or a production, I'll just send them like, I'll put a few elements together and go, how does this feel? Because this is the direction I'm thinking of going. Now, I'll be honest, usually that's not discombobulating for people because usually they don't come to me with one thing and it ends up being an entirely new thing. You know, it's usually kind of on track with what we've discussed because they give me reference tracks and I usually follow direction. But in this case, I did not listen to the reference tracks because when I heard or I didn't listen to the direction of them, because when I listened to the music, I went, these are not country. Why is she giving me country? Right. So I took a chance. And I, and I, I broke, I busted out a few vibe scratches and just did like what I heard and it made it very pop. It was like Beyonce meets Ed Sheeran. Like that was the direction I took it. And when she came over and I went to play it for her, I was very adamant. I was like, this is just a scratch. Like if you don't like it, we can change it, you know? And I played it for her and she started crying. And I felt so bad. I was like, I'm so sorry. I'll just listen to the direction. You were right. I, you know, and I started just putting my foot in my mouth. And she goes, no, no. She goes, this is the sound I've always wanted. This is, you are the first producer to ever, ever actually deliver this in the way that I hear it in my head. And I was like, you're not mad that we're not doing country? She's like, no, like, that's just what other people have been telling me to do. But this is what I want to do. And like, for me, that, that was a moment in learning to really how to work with my intuition 
Um, and I had had this with, with previous demo clients where they would tell me, it's like you're in my head. You know, I used to have this woman who would send me these very pitchy voice memos and she'd say, I'm so sorry, Advil's on me. I'm not a great singer, but this is what I'm thinking. And I was always able to go, oh, but I know what your intention was, you know? And so I didn't think much of it at the time because, I, but fast forwarding to that and that experience with this, this artist, I realized that I was really using my intuition and I was really channeling for lack of a better word there, you know, what was already there. There's no way you do that. And it wasn't somewhere there. Like I just grabbed it. It was there. It was in the, in the ether. I'm getting a little woo. I'm getting a little woo and I don't even care. Um, because there's no way that, that you, that I just grabbed something and, and they're like, Oh, that's good. You know, when someone's like, Oh my God, that's the thing I was hearing for me. That means it already existed. I just had to find it. I just had to open up to receive it. And that's not always the approach I take with everything. Usually reference tracks are a really solid way to go, but I think it also had to do with the personal relationship I had with the artist too. Like we were friends and I just knew her and I played a lot of gigs with her. So there was just this deep knowing, I think, of where it needed to go. So that's something that really stands out to me. Um, mm. And that record, I love that record. We did a, a CD release party. It was incredible. The whole thing, she she performed it like a boss. She ended up performing to tracks, which she had never done um, because she had always played guitar and sung. And, you know, traditionally this would have been done with a band, but we ended up using my tracks in the, the EP wow. release show. And she played as well, but like she, she actually took the guitar off and just got to sing to tracks as like a pop singer, which cool. was a new experience for her as well. It was super cool. So awesome. There's so many great layers of that. And I love, I love the overall story of how <laughs> you're just ready to like, say no and I got the phone yanked out of his hand and someone's just like too bad you're in it <laughs> that's like that's a good friend right there you know I think she knew that like this wasn't impossible it was just slightly out of my reach you know and and I feel like I like to do that with with our students as well you know whenever I can like push someone to achieve something that's not impossible for them to reach but it's just enough to make them uncomfortable that's when you know it's transformational when someone goes i could never do that then you go yeah you can yeah you can yeah you can right <laughs> yeah and that's that's so important i think again that's that's what to me makes me think of collaboration again is like whether it's uh not known or just things like that come up in life where other people interject in a way and they just kind of help help believe in you for you while you're trying to find it for yourself. Oh yeah. And it's just like, thank you. <laughs> it's so nice to like have those people and like acknowledge those people that have helped us like over, over humps. I know I can name a, a bunch. Oh my gosh. It's so important. It's so important to have support and to have feedback um, and to have people that can see what you can't see mm. and to remind you because, you know, we, we're in an industry with a lot of rejection. There's a lot of no's out there, you know, and it can get really easy to go down, you know, to, to go down the rabbit hole of like, I'm not good enough. I'm, I, this is never going to work, you know, because of, of course, in an industry full of so much rejection, like we'd be, you know, at the mercy of that. But I think it's so important to just like have mentorship and, and feedback and community, you know, and, and collaboration. Well, um, speaking of that too, it's like coming up, coming up so shortly here. We've got a a boot camp coming up that is just that kind of a thing, you know, like yeah, uh, the produce like a boss, like home studio boss boot camp, where it's just such a great. If you want to taste of this, anyone listening, if you if you're not, I know lots of lots of people here are familiar with you, but if you're not, um, 
that would be a great spot just to get a sense of like what what your whole community atmosphere is all about and like just to to have some really great insight into how not only to beef up you know everything that you're doing within your own music career but like taking charge of that and finding like how how that can take form in so many different ways so so yeah if you could tell us a little bit about that yeah yeah so we have a five-day boot camp coming up which is pretty much like getting um, a taste of, of the what we're teaching inside of home studio boss it gives you a taste of the type of you know, coach and teacher that I am. And it's, it's really intended to show you how to put all the pieces into place that will allow you to land your first paying client. Because once you can land one client, that's a repeatable process. Um, and it is from April 5th to April 9th. And the signups are now, and we can have you drop a link in the description of the podcast and it's free. It's five days. And it is, it is just to be clear, this is not like a a free challenge that's like a lot of fluff, like come prepared to learn and to take notes. Um, anybody that knows anything about the marketing world would know that a lot of what I do is a, considered a big no-no because I give away so much for free. Um, and they actually say in the marketing world, like, oh, just teach enough to like, you know, but don't don't overwhelm them. No, come ready with a pen and a paper <laughs> and, and ready to learn a lot because my goal is for everyone to leave with value. And if you decide to join us in Home Studio Boss, that's awesome because you can get, you know, I can't cram everything I've learned in the last 10 years into five days, but I have done a pretty good job of putting that into the course. So if you want to join us for the course after, that's great. If not, I still want you to keep in touch with me and let me know how the boot camp helped you. You know, a lot of people use the boot camp and, you know, they're able to get a ton of value out of it. So, well, and I know too from having been a part of that before and like just constantly in the community too, it's on the essence coming back to collaboration again because it's just a theme I've been really on right now. Is it's like just being in a space like that for five days, just with a whole bunch of other people who are showing up in the same space to improve themselves and their music careers and figuring out how to do it, you know. Yeah. That's just a great arena to be in. And it's a great place to meet other people who are potential collaborators. Like I, I've met lots of people that I still collaborate with in those in like that kind of an experience, like even in your last boot camp. <laughs> yeah. so like it's a, that's another great benefit of, of being there and just being in company that is going to push you and be on the same vision path that you are in a way. So Absolutely. That, that is all kinds of exciting and motivating to be around. Yeah. And, and if anyone does decide to join us inside of the program, the, there's the, uh, we have, uh, this, uh, this sheet called the collab lab sheet where everyone puts in their information, what instruments they play and what they're looking for in a collab partner. So we've kind of got this evergreen ongoing way for people to connect and collaborate. But then we also do, uh, live events for our students only, which Michael, you have been hosting with Ben and they've been super fun. So definitely more collaboration opportunities inside of our actual community as well. Totally. It, yeah, it has just been such an honor to, like I said, over the last two years to feel like I have a handle now on all these tools that I've been cultivating for a lot of years now to be able to put them into practice in a like exponential degree. And and then also to be able to just be on this team with you and, and the group and, and to be able to take part in that has just been such a gift. So, yeah. Well, you have been a gift to us and we are so glad to have you in Produce Like a Boss and, and coaching and just bringing your magnificent energy and you're just, you're hilarious and you're so fun and you're so heart-centered. So I feel very lucky to have you. 
<laughs> right on. Well, really appreciate yeah, your time. Uh, thanks for sharing all these stories and just like, yeah, there's a, a whole bunch, whole bunch more that I learned today that is just like you know, <laughs> always, always just keeps improving or um, what's the word? keeps expanding my appreciation of just like all the things that you've done and just like the challenges that you've like worked through and overcome and then have given back so generously to other people in a way to like help them move through what they're working through to to make a career for themselves you know and I think you're one of the I get I could say in my my life and the time that I've been involved heavily in the music industry I think you're you're just like exactly the kind of person and offering the the exact kind of thing that the music industry just needs you know so thank you like a, a pillar of of what the whole like new model is is really to be and um it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to be a part of it's a beautiful thing to witness and it's just exciting to see the possibilities that are there as opposed to what may be perceived as as changes for the negative so it's everything but that so thank you for doing that absolutely absolutely i think the most important thing anyone can do is uh, is redefine what making it means to them. Because mm. that's kind of that moment that I had where I was like, I'm, I am failing if I'm not getting a hit song, right? If I had let that determine success for me, then I'd still be a failure because I haven't written a hit song. <laughs> I've written plenty of songs, you know, but um, I finally decided to go, wait a second, like, what is success? Like, what does that mean for me? Am, am I making a living? Am I able to make music my front hustle? Sure. And, you know, just being open to what that could look like outside of what the old narratives and the traditional industry have told you. Totally. Yeah. I loved one of your recent posts You said something about like that, that the music industry is a dinosaur. We are meat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just keeled over laughing when I saw that the other day. So, but uh, yeah, keep being the meteor that you are. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for having me today. You bet. Yeah. So there you go. That was the legendary Chris Bradley. Uh, such a treat to have her on here and, and hope you found a whole bunch of that inspiring. I, I find it hard to imagine that it, that wouldn't have been inspiring through the roof. She's done so many great things and just helping many others on their journey in a really great way in the whole world of where songwriting meets production. So for all those interested who are into production or even curious about it, but particularly this this boot camp coming up next week is going to be really ideal for those who have dabbled a bit and are just looking at like, how do I make this a thing? You know, like, how do I actually take songs either that I, you know, do for myself that I really am passionate about my craft, or is there a way that I could use those skills to help others shape their sound and how to do that? I can tell you directly from uh, Chris being in my life that that has massively opened up opportunities for me to help others share their voice in the way that they want to. And and when we were talking here about writing songs you love, I've for a long time I just looked at that from my own perspective. But now being able to do that with others and then help them record songs that really feel not only just say what they want to say, that it also sounds like they want it to sound. That's that's such a gift to be a part of that experience. So yeah, coming into that boot camp next week will be a great window into that world if that is at all interesting to you. 
And I'll stick a link in the show notes so you can sign up for that and it's totally free. So check it out. Otherwise, thanks for spending the time here. Always appreciate having your ears and your support and your feedback and your thoughts and interpretations of all of this that I'm putting out through this podcast. So it means a lot. I never take it for granted and just wanted to say thank you. It's, uh, it's a treat to share this time. So that's all. Have a great rest of your week and we'll catch you next week.